I don't know what it is about the motion picture industry. Maybe it's the fame and fortune that some people experience, you know, the stuff that you see on television and all the award shows and whatnot. But this industry in particular, when compared to other industries, you know, it it certainly attracts its fair share of people that talk a big game, but they don't deliver on that game because, well, they're not the person they're pretending to be. My name is Jason Brubaker. I'm talking to you from sunny Southern California, and I want to welcome you to today's episode of the Filmmaking Stuff podcast, where we share tips and strategies on funding, producing, and selling your movie without waiting around for Hollywood to give you permission to be successful. And if you haven't already guessed, today's episode, it's pretty much on the nose with the philosophy of not waiting around for permission to be successful. So the thing I was talking about, you know, these people, the, the phonies that you meet, I don't know if you've experienced this yet. If you have not, you, you probably will. So this is a good episode for you. I've certainly had this experience. And if you're listening to this and you've also met people who have talked a big game but failed to deliver, you know exactly what I'm talking about. In my case in particular, and and this was very early in my career, through a friend of a friend, I was introduced to a person who was a quote-unquote producer who also happened to be an attorney. I don't even know if this person was an entertainment attorney, but anyway, you know, we met under casual circumstances, mentioned that I'd written a screenplay, this person expressed some interest in reading my script, and I was really naive, and it was very early in my career, and I didn't realize that you know, because this person was an attorney, of course, they're going to try to charge me for, you know, their time, right? And from my perspective, I was just, you know, I, 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 this person had done some stuff and I was excited that they might be interested in even talking to me. It was very validating. But I didn't even know enough to ask whether or not this person would even think to charge me money. I mean, this person offered to read my screenplay. So you know, again, you look at their credits and if this has happened to you, you know what I'm talking about. People do stuff, you get excited. So, you know, you feel like, oh my gosh, they're interested in me. I'm validated. So in this case, let me send you my screenplay because it's incredible. Uh, You probably know where this story is going, but shortly after this person read my screenplay, I got some feedback. It was literally about two paragraphs long. It was like, hey, great screenplay, need some work, but you're on the right track. And then it was like, send me $250 for my time. (laughs) And so this to this day is still annoys me because at that time, that was as much as I made in one week, you know, I pretty humble beginnings there. So it was a, it was a significant amount of money. Now I've talked about this many times in past episodes of this podcast, but you know, when, when I started out, I, I really like literally my first job was at a film and video production company where I, I, you know, scrub toilets. I mean, I'm not even making that up. But anyway, I was bringing all this up with Tom Malloy the other day. And it's funny because, as you can imagine, he's raised over $25 million in private equity to produce multiple feature films. But, you know, he's definitely had his fair share of these types of experiences too. You know, where you're working with people that, again, want to pretend that they're a big shop, but they're, but they're not. And so Tom is going to talk about that experience in about a minute or so. And in the conversation, you know, it's pretty cool because Tom, again, is the real deal. He actually does the stuff he teaches and talks about. 
And he's going to provide some strategies, not, not only tell his story, but he's going to provide you with some strategies on how you can avoid this stuff and really find out if the person you're talking to is quote unquote real. So without further ado, Tom, appreciate it. If you wouldn't mind, what's your story with all these shenanigans? Well, there's a word that people throw around on the producerial side of movies, and that word is real. When we're talking about investors, are they real? That's that's a big thing, and it sounds so simple, but it, it really means a lot. It's like, it are they actual investors that are going to potentially invest in their movies? Are they real? And when that's thrown around, you know, it says, yeah, I got a guy I'm talking to. No, he's real. That means that that person is significant and you should pay attention to that person. But I want to take it back to when I first started out in this business. I had met a producer through a friend and he talked a really big game. He really gave off this kind of feeling that he had some power. And he had just produced, well, I guess it was his first film at the time. And, I, you know, he really had this kind of air about him. I was a young actor that was just looking to get my film made. I had no idea what producing was. This is, I mean, I'm, we're going back now. <laughs> we're going back over 20 years. And I had written a script that he responded to. He, he loved the script and loved the pitch. So I, I was on the top of the world. I thought, you know, this, this is the guy. He said he wanted to make it. Now, what happened after that was two years of him leading me on. We would take meetings. I would go into the city. I was spending money because I was living in New Jersey and I was driving to New York City. So I was spending money always to park kind of, you know, just to work with him and, and talk with him and take meetings and stuff like that. You know, and I really thought that I was pushing the movie forward, but just getting disheartened each time. He was just finding more delays and more things. Oh, yeah, we'll be shooting this by May. And then May would come. Oh, yeah, we we got something to finance. It'll be there by October. October would come. It's just we just need to get to the end of the year as soon as the holidays are over. So, like, he just kept doing that to me. The issue, truly, that I found out afterwards is that he had no power. He had no power to make a film whatsoever. Um, and he was just leading me on. And I, you know, I remember thinking about it years later and it's like now these kind of people, it's like I, I can identify him usually very quickly in a couple of seconds if they're quote unquote real or not. And that's just from experience. That's from the experience of meeting so many people that weren't real and, and meeting people that were real and going, okay, that's the difference. But I remember thinking back on it and going, why would he have done that? You know, cause that really took me down at the time. I mean, I was really upset, but as, as always, I never try to take those things and, and be like, well, I'm spending two weeks in my bedroom or something like that. I immediately said, you know what? Maybe I could figure out a way to produce my own film. And that led to my kind of that. That was the crux of me making the film The Attic. I went and I wrote. I said, let me go back to my roots. I'm a huge horror fan. And I wrote this movie called The Attic and just started reaching out to try to raise money for it and I'm making this long story short, but eventually got the director of Pet Cemetery, and it got Elizabeth Moss and Alexander Daddario, and, and we made that movie. And that was my first kind of real professional movie. That was back in 2005, I believe. But you know, what I'm getting at here is, is let me go back to this guy. And I think that it's the same type of person, very much that goes to like a car dealership, that, and they look at the car, they have no intentions to buy or sometimes they can't even possibly afford the car, right? They already have a car. They already have a car. Maybe there's nothing. They're, they're not going to get a car. But they're leading kind of the salesperson on. And I know that there's people that like to do that. They call them tire kickers or looky-loos or whatever, you know, they call them. 
it's like there's people that get a kick out of that. And I think this guy had the same thing. He had that ego that he wanted to be the big shot because we were all kissing his butt. I mean, once we attached a director and a cast director, everybody was kissing his butt because it was like, this is the guy. This is the guy that's making it happen. But he was nobody. And he, he you know, now it's, it's, I look back and I know now that he was nobody. But at the time, I, I was really worried it was going to affect my career. So, it, look, there's certain people that get a kick out of pretending that they could raise money for your movie or make your movie happen. It gives them power. It gives them an ego. But you have to identify these certain people as not being real. I mean, truly not be afraid to ask the hard questions and get to the heart of, are they really doing this or not? The word real means a lot in film. Real means they can actually make something happen. So it was interesting that this was the first person, as far as on a professional level film-wise, that I was ever introduced me to, <laughs> to and that took me down a path and he wasn't real at all. So it actually helped me identify, you know, it, it was like the first time was somebody who was, I wouldn't say he was scammy. He was just uh, full of himself. Yeah, I mean, he was just, there was nothing real there. And so and from that point on, I said, okay, I'm going to start asking the harder questions and getting to the heart of if this potential investor is worth my time. And as I get older and I have produced, you know, 22 films now, it's, I, I know that my time is the most valuable commodity and there, it would never happen where I'd let somebody lead me on for two years and, and get nothing out of it. First of all, really, thanks again for stopping by and sharing that story. I, I think it's always fun. You know, it's, I think we get in a pattern, Tom, of when you and I have these conversations, it's always talking about like the money you've raised or the different things you're working on. But I really appreciate you coming by with the transparency to share Frankly, some of the stuff that's happened to you in the past that you've learned from that hasn't always been fun. And, you know, I think when it comes down to it, there's a lot of different things that you can do in this lifetime. And I agree with Tom as, you know, I have a daughter now, I have a house and a mortgage, and I have all these things that I didn't have when I was just starting out in my career. And I, and I agree that time is your most valuable commodity it's the one non-renewable resource. So, you know, choose how you spend your minutes wisely. And I really hope you got a lot out of today's episode. If you liked it, we're always, you know, happy to see any sort of comments that you might leave wherever you're listening to this podcast with a thumbs up. Feel free to share it with your filmmaker friends. And if you're among the few folks who want to take things to the next level and you're looking for community mastermind and accountability check out um, the filmmaker mastermind that we put together it you can actually find out about it at filmmakingstuffhq.com hq is short for headquarters but filmmakingstuffhq.com to find out how you can apply to join the mastermind until next time take action and make your movie now and by the way when i say don't ask for permission. I don't mean that you should do anything like, you know, goofy. What I mean is don't ask for permission to be successful. You don't need anybody's validation. You just need to put one foot in front of the other. Use the resources you have right now and make the movie that you can make right now.